northern Ulster counties with local reporting, regional events, school sports, letters, and features. All in the Mountain Eagle. We know the elders, but New Jazz Excursions will focus on the latest generational freeform thinkers and creators making vital America's greatest cultural legacy. So join me, Mike Jakovic, for New Jazz Excursions, alternate Saturday mornings from 10 a.m. to noon on WIOX Roxbury, live and local in the Catskills at 91.3 FM, MTC Cable Channel 20, streaming at WIOXradio.org and on all your smartphone radio apps. Listening to WIOX Community Radio, live and local in the Catskill Mountains at 91.3 FM and MTC Cable Channel 20, 107.5 FM on the campus of SUNY Delhi, and everywhere at WIOXradio.org on computers or smartphones, and also with the Radio Garden phone app. This is From the Forest every Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m. Talk about a different forest related topic with Ryan and John. John, how's it going? Things are good. How are you? I don't know. What have you been up to? Uh, I've been trying to do some bow hunting. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, I was successful once and uh, unsuccessful dozens of times after that, right? Yeah, it's pretty warm, you know. Uh, I think the bucks are, as you you're saying earlier today, they're starting to move and whatnot, but uh, it's warm. Yeah. Um, walking in this weekend, I saw a screech owl. I've never seen one before. Screech owl? Yeah. They're tiny. How big? Like... I want to say like a baseball with legs, tiny, yeah. tiny. No kidding. Maybe it's just this one was tiny, but huh. so I try to try to when I go in the morning, try to go in, uh, you know, in the dark if I can, right? You don't want to light up the woods. And I got my headlamp on though, just in case, and it's got a little rip red lamp on it. So if there's you know walking, there's a log or something I got to get over. I flip the red lamp on to give a little glow of light so I can get up over or whatever. Well, I flip my light on, and there's these eyes looking at me like ten yards away. Yeah. So. I couldn't see what they were, but I could see that they were maybe two inches apart. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I said, uh, I, I got to see what this is. So I flip on the 
the real light, the spotlight, yeah. just to see it. And it was worth it. It was pretty cool to watch. No kidding. I blinded it though. You could see it kind of squinting his eyes and uh, oh yeah, getting uh, getting blasted by that light in it. Nice, nice. So that was fun. Huh? What's the color? Do you know? What do you like, mean? What's like, the color? I don't know. Are they just brown and white. It looked like a miniature barred owl. Yeah. Like it looked like a mini mini thing. Oh, I saw a bald eagle in my backyard. Did you? Yeah. What's it eating? <laughs> a deer carcass. Oh, okay. So I've only seen two bald eagles ever, and when I put a deer carcass back there, you know, the torso, <clears> um, <throat> that was the other time I saw it. But yeah, bald eagle, man. Yeah, that's cool. Which is kind of rare by me. If you go near water, reservoir, streams, they're all over, right? <laughs> but I don't live really near a stream, so to have a bald eagle in the backyard is different. So I found it pretty fast, then. Yeah. I think Charlie and I saw maybe a golden eagle. Is that possible, John? This time of year? Yeah, what? I think this is the beginning of it. It was too big. It was about the size of a turkey buzzard in wingspan, and that's bigger than a bald eagle. Didn't look like a juvenile. It just looked different. Its color was like mottled. Yeah. You know, it was like a mix of uh, light tan or white even. Yeah, but it just didn't look like a model look like a juvenile bald would have. Yeah, yeah well, the, the, the juvenile balds, when they get into that like three-year-old, four-year-old stage, it takes them four years to get that white head, right? So the in-between can maybe fool you a little bit, but it could have been a golden. And then the adult goldens kind of resemble a juvenile bald again. Yeah. It's the young goldens that look pristine with that golden nape. So it's it's really hard, man, especially if they're just flying by. you got to get binoculars out and see a, a good... Mm. Image to get a positive idea, but yeah, could have been. Could have been near mm. ridge. They like ridges. We had yeah. we had three different birds, right? There was two turkey buzzards. Were they two turkey buzzards? I thought that other one was a hawk that came in. Oh yeah, there could have been a hawk. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, so they were in a spiral, you know, looked like a little updraft, and they were circling one another. Yeah. Well, on our radio show, we did turkey buzzards a few weeks ago, and um, I guess the golden eagles will trail turkey buzzards because turkey buzzards, unlike most birds can smell, so they'll smell what the dead meat is. They can smell. Yeah, oh, they can smell really well. All right, cool. How about that? So that voice, that third voice is Charlie Bloom, and we've had him on in the past, talk about arboriculture, kind of check in. How's it going? Good, man. Happy to be here. Thanks. Thanks for coming all the way from Gramsville. Yeah, it was a, it was a nice ride. Things are changing uh, in sundown. They had some construction going on there. I, I waited like... I think it was seven or eight minutes at, at oh, yeah? one of those construction lights. At the bridge there? Yeah. yeah. Hey, go Frost Valley, maybe on the way home. I will. I promise I will. All right. So what else is new? Uh, not much. Uh, we're having a nice, long uh, leaf season. Right? Yeah. It's been good. We've got a lot of color. Uh, it's lingering on. Usually mid-October, we're done. It's drizzly and gray. Yeah. But uh, the last two years, it looks like it's uh, stretching out. Yeah, I tell you what, your guys' neck of the woods, like Ul Ulster County, Central Ulster, and, and Northern Sullivan, looks good this year and last year, too. Yep. My part in Central Delaware just crapped out in like a four-day span. Really? Like, the second weekend October, just yeah. all the maples dropped in that cold rain that weekend, and oh. then it was that was it. You need some oaks <laughs> to prolong things. And the beaches look good. Over yeah. our way, too. Yeah. No, the beach are looking yeah. even good. No, we've had a really nice color this year. I think the Catskills in Sullivan really look great in, uh, in Ulster. So. so, 
What got you in the trees anyway, Charlie? Oh, money. 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 At it's least you're money. honest, you know? Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> always money. Um, yeah, uh, it, al- it, it, it was an occupation that allowed me to uh, continue to stay outdoors and, uh, and make a few bucks. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have to use a lot of, you know, brain power to, to do what I do. So it's easy. <laughs> I don't know. It looks hard. Uh, well, once it, well it, there are some technical times, but uh, most, most important, you just have to use common sense. So. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know. I mean, so, so you, you did arboriculture in, in Long Island for how long? No, let's, let's change that. I didn't do arboriculture. Tree work. I did tree work. Yeah, okay. Just well, a, well, let's go over the difference. Yeah. Well, for people, that's very important. Yeah. Right? Uh, so they get confused, right? Yeah. So, and this can this can spark a few arguments, but uh, in general, uh, there are tree care companies that can do the run of the mill, taking down a tree, maybe pruning a tree or a shrub, uh, and you don't need to know a lot about it. Uh, you just need to know how a chainsaw works and a little bit of the biomechanics of a tree. And you can pick that up pretty quick. But arboriculture is more about preservation as it is, uh, you know, just cutting trees down. And uh, I, think, I think it's important to understand the importance of the tree in, in our environment and what it does for us and how it helps us uh, with our homes and uh, health and you know maintaining you know healthy wildlife and so on and so forth. So you guys are talking about hunting, right? Yeah. So uh, you know, a healthy forest can promote uh, you know healthy hunting seasons. There's no getting around it, you know, right? They they carry the sure. Uh, they carry everything that the uh, these critters need. And um, I think. Uh, Understanding the importance of preservation as well as the necessity to take a tree down, you know, uh, under particular circumstances uh, is something that we miss as just tree guys. So like your average chainsaw guy, you know, guy cuts trees in the neighborhood. And we had a lot of that uh, like on Long Island because any – any landscape company that would would be there only to you know mow the grass, trim, you know edge. Well, anytime uh, a little bit of tree work would come their way, they would grab it, and that oh, that usually led to uh, some serious uh, injury to trees that they were trying to prune because they don't know you know true pruning practice. Right, yeah. that's a big that's a big deal. You start making cuts internode right and, right you know instead of uh, subordinating the way you're supposed to so th- those little terms uh mean a lot in arboriculture so making a proper pruning cut can prolong the life of the tree and uh you know and also promote better aesthetics if you are keeping the tree for its aesthetic properties if if the pruning cuts are done well tree looks healthier and uh stands out so yeah. mostly comes from the lawn side, you think? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. You know. You get asked about it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I remember back then uh, being asked by other contractors. For instance, a roofer would come into the neighborhood to do a roofing job. 
and he would he didn't care what happened to the tree from the neighbor that was that was reaching over the property line and maybe extending over onto the roof of a, a, a home that they were working on. Yeah. They just wanted me to hack it back. I was just cut it off. We don't care. Right. Well, those kind of pruning wounds uh, can be detrimental to the tree's health and the way it looks. Nowadays, people are a little more savvy about it. So uh, you can make proper pruning cuts that actually can help the tree survive and uh and look better well, what would be pruning cuts that you're like man that was not good usually when they cut interstem so um if you top a tree topping is like arguably one of the worst things you can do uh when you when it's done improperly yeah. you can reduce the height of a tree yeah those reduction cuts can be done in a way that you know benefit the tree and benefit the the homeowner or business owner, or, or forest, or whatever the case. Yeah. But if it's done improperly, if they're just hacked off the top, that necrosis or that death, you know, leaks back through those those open wounds. Pathogens are you know uh, then introduced. And are there certain trees that it's it's okay to do like to reduce its height compared to others, like conifers versus hardwoods? Or? Yeah, I I think I think. Uh, I I Resiliency uh, can be dependent on variety and, and species, but because I get asked, you you gotten asked like, "There's a hickory tree; it's too high. It's in right. their view shed." And they're right. like, "Well, I don't want to cut it down. Can't we just top it?" Well, it can be topped in a. All right, so the term "topping" is the problem, right? Right. That just m- makes you think that you buzz cut the top. Well, if it's done correctly, you can reduce the height of that tree. Uh, through something we call subordination, right? So you subordinate right. back to a uh, a lower uh, crotch union in the tree, and and that uh, that will allow the tree to heal over and and uh, continue to grow. But yet, it can't always be done, right? Yet it can't always be done. Yeah. All right, so pine, spruce, you know, conifers, right? If you cut back into some of the heavier wood, cutting the top out, you can leave a really horrible wound. Yes, it, the tree is going to try to um, continue on. It's going to send a branch shoot straight up, and uh, but that wound is still there, and that wound can fester, and that, can, that wound can go deep into the heart, uh, the heartwood, because there's nothing to. Uh, there's no unions really in that kind of trunk that would stop and compartmentalize yeah. uh, that that pruning wound. It'll just end up with a a hollow tree. It's not it's not a sizable branch or something nearby adjacent to the right right, right. in some way right for lack of a heart. It's hard yeah. on the radio to describe it. It really is, and and I'm probably making a mess of it right now. But um, I think. Uh, that's where arboriculture comes in. So if if a tree guy gets trained, and um, and and perhaps even you know formally educated, yeah. some of those big horrible mistakes and losses can be prevented. Uh, is it absolutely necessary that every tree guy becomes a certified arborist? I don't think so, but they can benefit from training. And that training can go a long way. So, so how long have you been doing tree work and arboriculture? 40 years. 
and in those 40 years like i feel like in 40 years in arboriculture and tree work there's a lot of changes like if, i feel yeah. like maybe the biggest changes in its existence yeah. technologically like what has changed uh yeah. safety yeah safety is improved Climbing techniques um, only improve because of some of the equipment that's come out. So, all right, yeah. so equipment design. But it's still technically it's the same thing. You climb the same way, all right? Ropes, saddles, spikes if necessary, you know, gaffs. Um, but some of, the, uh, some of the things learned that I'm surprised by uh, and love are the little things. Like, for instance, in the old days... If a guy went out and had to prune a big limb off his apple tree, the first thing he'd do after he made that cut was he'd grab a pail of paint or tar, and he would cover that pruning wound with tar. Hmm. Or if there was a deficit in the tree, if there was a hole in the tree, they would fill it with concrete. Yeah, this was a common practice. Yep. Well, we know today that none of that works or helps. As a matter of fact, it, it can harm the tree. Um, on a pruning wound, uh, all, all that tar is going to, it's just going to sit there. Um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to prolong the tree's ability to heal that over, and it's going to trap moisture in that wound. It does really nothing for the tree. The tree knows how to do this. If the, if the pruning cut is made properly, the tree can go ahead and... and and uh, compartmentalize the wound and heal. Uh, compartmentalization is that if you ever look at a tree that had a limb cut off and it's got that thick, heavy callus around that pruning cut, that's, the, that's part of compartmentalization. That, prune, that, that heavy callus also goes inside the tree and shunts out or cups uh, uh, that section so it so that the death or the or the or the the dead wood can't continue into the tree. Yeah, it's like no, different that, barrier zones. Right, barrier zones. It actually forms barrier zones, right? Exactly. So so uh, so things like carpenter ants. Uh, it's it's all right. So everybody needs to know carpenter ants do not eat live wood. They don't go after live wood. They 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 burrow in the dead wood or the or the you know gray wood of trees, dead wood of trees, right? So if there's a giant uh, uh, section of deadwood that goes all the way, th you know, into the tree like we talked about, into that core wood, um, those ants will burrow into that. But with compartmentalization, yeah. like you said, it creates barriers. So you won't get those carpenter ants or termites or whatever, you know, uh, to infiltrate that wood it's pretty amazing yeah. you know you can see that when you cut a tree down yeah where those barrier zones from past wounding yeah have been what's something like i know arboriculture is more about tending trees for the most part but you're gonna get asked this all the time right is my tree hazardous to you what sticks out as a hazardous tree how would someone identify a landowner homeowner a hazardous tree okay so that's there are a lot of variables yeah sure well, um, like what's you know something comes in okay mind. so storm a storm damaged tree a tree that may be leaning uh you know due to a storm or overly wet soil it's uprooting here in the Catskills we get a lot of trees uproot why because there's a lot of stone in the soil so when when trees take hold and root 
on really stony, rocky soil, they don't, those roots can't really dig deep. And if it's wet, rocky soil, again, which we get in the Catskills a lot. So sand is better. Uh, uh, sandier soil, maybe? No, just less rocky. Just less rock. Yeah, so right, yeah. so that, so that these trees don't stay topical. Uh, they they can sink roots deep into the soil as opposed to laying them across rocks. Right, right. And the reason they do that is usually because it's very wet. They don't have to dig deep with roots. Well, those trees get blown over a lot in uh, in storms. The way you can prevent that. If you have a tree that you feel, well, again, this is not a homeowner, but if I see a tree that I think uh, could blow over, I recommend reducing its height and reducing its overall crown. Why? Because then it's less of a wind break. Right. Wind can't push it as easy if it's thinner, right? It's just simple. It's surface, or the amount of surface. Okay. So if you open up a tree and it's, and it's pruned out and thinned out, air can move through it and around it easier than if it were just this big, congested, colossal, uh, top-heavy tree. So that's one. So reducing height. Right, reducing overall size in, yeah. in some cases. Less of a sale. Right. Less hazardous because right. less to come down on you. Right. Also, trees too, too close to the house, why would you want that? Prune them back off the house. A lot of people have it. Yeah, prune them back off the house. If you've got big branches over your roof and you leave it because you think it looks nice, well, nothing is forever. Well, that brings up two questions. Okay. One, if you prune it, is there a way that you can make a tree more hazardous by you know removing lower branches or whatever? And two, um, is there, are there species particularly that you don't like in your houses? Yes. Okay, so there are trees... Uh, that number one, you said um, if you prune it a certain way, uh, like if you take all the lower branches off a tree. Yeah, I see this a lot. Okay, so that we call that lion tailing. That, yeah. That's a weird description, but what that does, what that means is now you're creating basically a Q-tip. All right, all the branches are way up high. All the branches are in the wind. It makes it susceptible to something called wind shear. Wind shear means that. It puts force on that big surface area way up at the top, and the tree acts like a lever. Yeah. And you know if you have leverage, you have mechanical advantage. Mm -hmm. And if you have mechanical advantage, you can move things. Well, if the wind has mechanical advantage, it can push that tree over. It right. can break that tree. I've seen tr trees break. We've had storms where a trunk would break, right, you know, mid-trunk. Right. Wind shear, bad one. Um, the other thing is uh, there are uh, types of trees that love to send roots into foundations, love to send roots into pipes and, uh, you know, aquifers and everything else yeah. for their own benefit. But in doing so, they can disrupt your foundation. They can disrupt uh, walkways, driveways, uh, and so on and so forth. So these trees. Which are know, those? Well, uh, like surface, sycamore? yeah, surface roots trees and water-following trees. Sycamores are the, like number one. Like yeah. if you've got a big sycamore by your house, it's sending roots wherever there's water. Willow? Willow. Not that you'd want a willow for other reasons. No, it's a very brittle, soft wood tree. They break, they overgrow, and they break themselves. You know, they just okay, get trees heavy. that break, what about those? I mean, silver maple comes to mind. 
I can't stand silver maple. White pine. Sil- silver maple because it's usually a, uh, a tree with multiple stems, and those stems grow very close together at the base of the tree or, you know, at the top where they trunk off. And at that point, they shoulder out. As the tree grows, they push. Each, each leader pushes against one another. So you have split trees all the time with silver maple. They get too congested. Too congested. Silver maple is a bad one. White pine, man. Even though its form might be better, what? It, what I mean, that tree is. I just... I hate white pine. Yeah. White pine is the worst tree on the planet. I think white pine should be stricken <laughs> for, from the planet. It's just a it's just a big soft wood, brittle tree. How many times have you made a cut in a white pine and you barely touch it and the yeah. limb just pops off? Yeah. Right? They're dangerous. You know what we found out, you and I on on uh, on the weekend is, they look okay. Yeah. And now I can see it by looking at their needles. But if you don't know what to look for, um, they can look okay, and then they'll look a little off color. Yeah. And I now can pale, see that they're dead. Pine. That tree right. might as well right. be dead. <laughs> pale pine, I call it. Yeah. Pale pine. When a when a pine pale trees, pine. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way. When to it's do it. not a dark, rich green. Yeah. And it's very pale. Even yellow, chlorotic looking, you you know that there's an issue. You know yeah. there's an issue, and you usually can't turn it around at that point. Remember that tree uh, over an olive bridge near that house? I was up in it, and yeah. what concerned me because I was in the tree was that it was doing that kind of dead chicken thing. Yeah, it has that movement. It really does. It has. It oh, has whoa, a, describe this. Okay, <laughs> so. So when a, when a tree is in mortal decline, it, it doesn't pick up the moisture. It doesn't, it doesn't feel the same. It has a different, especially as a climber, and we run Ryan up these trees all the time because he's, he basically weighs about three pounds. So he, <laughs> okay. he's, not a big, he's not a big force in the tree. But what happens is every time you make a cut or even a movement in the tree, you can feel uh, the tree's weak. Mm. You can feel it doesn't have like a sturdy nature to it. It's kind of something you would almost have to experience. But I, I guess uh, if you picked up a dead gray stick and snapped it, it's the same feel as if you picked up, uh, as opposed to that, picked up a, a green branch and, and it bent instead of snapped. I can't remember if conifers get white rod or brown rod. I can never remember that. But it's like a bridge that bends, and then now it doesn't bend because right. it has a certain rot in it. It's, right. it's brittle, as right. you Long Islanders it's, say. <laughs> brittle. <laughs> it's not shit. It's not bending. It's going to crack. Right. It, it has no give. Right. And that, that, that natural, healthy give allows a tree to sway in the wind and not break. Yeah. But once they get sick like that, it's hard to determine. And unless you have an eye for it, you've experienced it. Boy, it can surprise you. Yeah, white pine can be very brittle to begin with, and they're even worse if they're sick. Uh, trees are unpredictable. Yeah. We had an unpredictable thing, John and I, today, and uh, it's only happened a couple times, but um, they're just, they can be unpredictable yeah. sometimes. And, and again, hard to, uh, hard to detect un- yeah. until you've gone past that point. And then, and then you learn the hard way, you know. But... Uh, as arborists, each time these things happen, we learn a little bit more, yeah. and we can pass it on. And I like to pass it on to my customers. You know, I'm I'm very vocal 
uh, when I'm with a customer, I love to talk about it. I love to educate them. I don't, I don't badger them and I, and I, you know, I don't lecture them, but I love to talk with them. And if I can feed in a little information because an educated customer is really a safe, you know, a safe bet for yeah. sure. That makes sense. Yeah. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to From the Forest every Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m. Tonight's topic is arboriculture with arborist Charlie Bloom. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Every time I look Anything you want, you got it. Anything you need. 
Roy Orbison. You got it. And this is from the forest. Every Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m., talk about a different forest-related topic. Tonight's topic is arboriculture with arborist Charlie Bloom. Um, Charlie's been on, I would say, three to five times. Yeah, I've been on a few times. You come on in. You check in once in a while, see what's going on. Hey, my son was here talking about bats one day. Remember that? Yes, yeah. I do. Yeah, that was, was a good show. Yeah, it was he's, pretty cool. He's monitoring uh, bats in urban areas, Baltimore, Maryland. Yeah. Uh, Chris, Chris Bloom. Yeah, Chris Bloom looking for uh, heavy metals in uh, bat guano. <laughs> a crazy guy. Yeah. You have to come on again and report. Yeah, he, I'm sure he will. He's doing good with it. He's got a big following in the Baltimore area. So cool. what, does, what does the heavy metals indicate in bat guano? Uh, uh, I, I think contaminants, pollutants. Okay. Right? So like a, yeah, pollutants. an ear marker of yeah. how we're doing, how, how much we're screwing up out yeah. there. Yeah. Yep. All right. Yeah. But, um. Litmus test. Litmus yeah. test. So, uh, yeah, you were talking about, uh, owls, owls before. So let, let me ask you, do they provide a litmus? I, I mean, like owl health. How's, how, how are the owls in our area doing? Knowing that. Things like like bat with the uh, what's the uh, nose thing that they get that fungus the like, white nose is for what? bats yeah yeah so so bats I mean you know they're having a problem right now well how do you I mean I don't know I don't monitor owls but right you what's the last thing to come back anytime a forest or population is crashed or what's the last thing uh, I guess the wildlife, right? Well, of the wildlife. It's the apex, the top, right? Oh, yeah, so like sure. The predators. Well, right. You see owls all the time. I hear them all the time. So, and they're them. an apex predator. Sure, they're the, okay. of, of the birds. So they got to be think of them as be cutesy birds, but they are I see predators. them all the time hunting this year. I yeah. see barred owls. I hear barred owls yeah. year-round, and this is the first time I've ever seen a screech owl. Right, that's the hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo, right? The, that's the barred owl? Barred owl, barred yeah, owl. B-A-R-E-D. Yeah, the one you hear is the one is that one. Um, but, yeah, I saw a screech owl. Um, That's rare. I, that, I don't see screech owls as much. I've never seen one. I saw a great horned owl like three years ago. Really? Yep. I yes. had to ask oh, wow. uh, our board president, Mike Porter, about it, and he confirmed that, yes, they are around, but rare. Wow. That was up on Dingle Hill in Andes. Hey, I got a question for you. I'm going to get off the owls real quick, only only because something you just Fine. said something. I apologize. <laughs> but But I thought I saw... A two-tone squirrel, like a red, like a like a red and a, a grayish squirrel. Now, is that a, a, an anomaly, or am I looking at? Was it a size of a gray squirrel? It was big, man. Where were you? This was in Sullivan, Sullivan, Sullivan County. County. Yeah. So in the Midwest and reaching as far as western New York, like Buffalo, Rochester, uh, is fox squirrels. Okay, fox squirrels. Now, so can they, could they survive here? Boy, they, oh yeah, they could survive here. The same habitat as a gray squirrel, but I don't. Then why aren't they I don't here? know that they so are. Weird here. that they're not here. They're a little bit bigger, maybe like fifteen percent bigger. I would say this and is a yeah, big the squirrel. The reason they call them fox squirrels, yeah, they got that reddish. Something to, yes. Something to study, because why aren't fox squirrels like like what do they have so, out western New York that we don't have here? Right. You well, know, it's Midwest region is where they're at. I think aren't like they in Western New York? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. The far eastern range right. of them is Western New okay. York. Okay. So, but they, but they could push this way, right? I don't see why not. All right. So here's what I saw. I I saw it was like a dark orangey, like dark orangey with the gray, and then a year ago I saw the dark orange with a black. Mm, okay. So the black is is still an eastern gray squirrel. 
Okay. For what I, I With researched, the orange on I it? researched it once because someone asked me this, so I went down a little rabbit hole. It's a recessive gene. When it's oh, it's got a single recessive gene, it gets that brownish black color. Right. When they're doubly recessive, that's when you get the jet black. Oh, okay. But w what about mixed with that orange? Because it was definitely two colors, man. I, I don't know. I don't know about the orange, but maybe that brown was just coming out as a, okay. as an orange yeah. hue that day yeah. or something. Okay. Maybe. Squirrels, squirrels, and owls. When I'm sitting in the, uh, the tree stand waiting for deer, the both of those suckers I see all the time. Owls, they'll they'll come up and perch on a limb and then look yeah. over at you like, "What the hell yeah. are you doing there?" Oh yeah. And then the squirrels, right? They love to go up, Jason tree, come out way out on a branch, and look at you like. And start making that. What are you doing, that, man? That, they'll that, they'll always get in a tree next to you, and yeah, yeah, yeah. They try to get about like four feet higher than you, always. Just a little bit higher, dominance, looking down. A little dominance. Yeah, but always right there next to you. Red squirrels are annoying. No, they're they terrible. just they just get crazy. They, well, they, they do chatter. damage on homes and and, and cabins and. Yeah. garages I, I get them in my garage all the time yeah and i have a styrofoam insulation in the ceiling my dad put it there just these styrofoam panels they're about two inches thick well these squirrels get in the red squirrels get in and they think that there's some place to go between the the wood like the two by fours or two by sixes that make up the the roof rafters yeah. and the styrofoam so I come in, and it's like snow all over the floor. They they just shred the styrofoam down. Jerks. So I got to trap them and relocate them. Let me ask you something uh, about tree planting that you wish – like what what is something that you wish people – that you wish people knew about tree planting? Don't plant blue uh, Colorado blue, blue spruce. spruce. Yeah. Just, just like, yeah. Learn, learn the trees that are sensibly, uh, you know – trees from this area you know it's it doesn't take a lot to learn the colorado yeah. blue spruce is a western tree they do not fare well here in the long run yeah they may be okay as you know adolescent trees but when they got to compete and and they get bigger they they don't hold they don't up do well they don't yeah. hold up they they they're poor the other thing is uh you want you're asking me what i think people should plant more of yeah is that the question yeah what's underplanted? fruit trees what kind? Uh, I, I would think uh, like a wildlife um, uh, variety varieties of fruit trees, so like habitat trees. I think that's a great idea. You want to attract more birds, squirrels, Man. you know, critters to your property. You want to see more things. Uh, like mulberry or something? Yeah, or? Oh, mulberry is beautiful. Mulberry is great. That's, and you can eat it. Yeah, it's a, I love mold. It's a vigorous tree. Yeah, can grow it's in a weed clay tree. soils or yeah. or whatever. On Long Island, we called them parking lot weeds because they yeah. would, they would push right through the blacktop, you know, at the edge of a parking lot to yeah. grow. And persimmon, we had a member ask about persimmon. Yeah. Okay. So again, uh, you know, I I, I planted a persimmon. That tree is doing fantastic. There are different cultivars thereof, right? There are different varieties i should say yeah. just like there are different varieties of apples yeah um the one i like best or tree i like best when you've gotten into this side of the fruit world is the asian pear yeah oh man they don't have any pestilence that that want them the fruit is always you know perfect they don't get you know when they're really ripe if you leave them on too long and they're really ripe you get the uh, wasps that'll, you know. I can't. You know, they won't grow my clay soil, man. I, I tried planting them for some reason. They can won't you grow. do a berm? 
Yeah, they probably would grow better on there. Yeah, I could do a berm. Yeah. The other pears do fine, but I, man, I had trouble with with Asian pears. Yeah, a ditch, a ditch, and a berm. So what you do is you dig a ditch, yeah. right, and then you backfill that ditch and mound it up, heap it up. For those who don't know what a berm is, and and you plant into that berm. That berm could be two, three, four feet high. Right. Right. But what that does is it allows the tree to not have wet. Wet feet. Wet, wet feet. Wet feet. Yeah, that's that's a big issue with some fruit trees. So, what are your thoughts on fencing and, uh, yeah, like fencing like that? We wish people, you know, you see people doing all sorts of crazy fences when they plant trees. What what, what do you um, think is a solution for that, or how to most practically exclude deer from their little tree they just planted? Cage the trees uh, individually. I wouldn't yeah. put up like fence to keep the deer out yeah. of your property. You, you're wasting your time and effort. That's uh, a lot. Deer, you know as well as I do, deer can fly, right? <laughs> so, the, so, so you put up a six foot fence, they're going to laugh at you. They're coming in anyway, right? But if you make a cage around the tree, the young tree, that'll buy it some time until it gets up and going. Yeah. You know? uh, so you cage each individual tree. Don't try to fence off the whole property. And, and it's cost effective. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But make sure when you do it, do it right. Use at least two to three stakes, four if you can. Yeah. Right? To to, to prop the, the cage up. Because if you don't, the deer brush into it at night. They walk into them and they push it right onto the young tree. I've seen trees getting broke, you know, broken that way. Also, r- raise the cage up. You know, maybe six inches, eight inches, so you can weed whack under it and you can clean under it. Because, wow, what does that do? Uh, yeah, well, it helps because... Balls? Yeah. You don't want to... What the tree needs below it is, especially through the winter, is barren, frozen ground, okay? N- not a deep, you know, mulch, not leaf litter, not weeds, not grasses that are high, because voles will get in there and they will chew the bottom bark yeah. of of fruit trees, especially apple, and we lose a lot of trees that way. So I know it's counterintuitive. People yeah. have been pushing wood chips so much, you know. I, I just sometimes it can be bad. Right, wood chips have a place. Yeah, they have a value, but not in the winter. Even if it means clean them out, reach under that cage with a rake, yeah, and rake that stuff out. You know, away from the tree in the winter, you'll save the tree. There, there are methods of uh, putting wraps around, you know, plastic spiral wraps around the base of the tree. That can help. That can help. Yeah. What are your thoughts on fertilization? <laughs> I don't, I don't like to fertilize in the winter or in the late fall because that can spark adventitious growth uh, if we get a warm spell. You'll have trees budding out and, and, you know, doing things. It also adds to the the materials that, uh, like apple trees, that sucker. They push out water sprouts, suckers. Uh, you'll get heavier, more uh, 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 growth if you fertilize in, in the late fall and winter. I say give it to them in the spring. Yeah. Yeah, just before they start looking for the fertilizer, before they really need it, before the they get that uptake, okay, you know, so yeah. that it's present, and they can they can do all their wound repair, 
they could do all their uh, uh, fruit set, yeah, you know, uh, with ample nutrition. Makes sense. Yeah, I think anyway. You know, but um, if if people are fertilizing and they're uh, they're doing it in a organic way or an all natural way, mm-hmm. that's different. So what do you mean? Okay, so if they're if they're fertilizing by composting, or adding compost to the soil and and feeding the tree that way, that's okay to do over the winter because it's a very slow time released way to fertilize. Yeah, the tree doesn't just get this you know big gulp of fertilizer. Like if you put down pulverized or um, uh, pelletized. Uh, fertilizer right, or, breaks or, down or granulated slowly. right that stuff you get a couple of heavy rains of melting snow that tree is going to get a big dose of that fertilizer yeah. okay so i don't like to do it in the winter yeah. because like i said if you if you have a warm spell it can it could prematurely prompt that tree to to uh you know sprout or bud or leaf or whatever mm-hmm. do it in the spring yeah right, and you're talking spring. You're talking like yeah. mm, Aprilish. Yeah, before yeah before the trees really get going, but yeah. you know the weather is breaking. So now listen, uh, that's not my my field of expertise. Okay, fertilization. Um, that's from my own experience and my own observations. And you've seen adventitious growth from fall yeah. fertilizing. Oh huh? yeah, absolutely, no doubt about huh. it. Maybe. And profuse suckering. Look, the trees sucker all winter long. You yeah. know that. Huh. You know that. It, uh, so all you're doing is pushing the tree in that direction by, by uh, feeding it, and you know. Yeah. Uh, I just think it's bad. Uh, I think it's a bad idea. Anything? Because uh, we get asked all the time about fruit trees. Anything you think about pesticides or or you know pests in general with fruit trees? Apple especially. Yeah, I. I'd like to see more people work in a organic, if not in an all natural way. So if you can avoid, you know, synthetic pesticides, please do. Hmm. Uh, it's safer for critters, right? Wildlife uh, does better, especially like you know, aquatics. They don't need all that fertilizer runoff, pesticide runoff yeah. that goes into the, you know, your pond or your even your koi pond, you know, because you fertile over fertilized. You know the mimosa tree. <laughs> you know what I mean. So yeah. it, 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 you know, or with ornamentals, a lot of people are go get them fertilizer, go get them pesticide, go get them fungicide, herbicides. You know they they do all that um, more so than people that are planting fruit trees or or you know, yeah. vegetables or whatever nut trees because they're going to consume what they grow. Right. That would be the thought. I yeah, I mean, I think you want to diagnose, you know, first, if you're going to use pesticides, you probably know what the pest is first, right? Right. And so, if you're going to fertilize, know what your soil is, I guess. You know, right. So What prescri- it's missing. Right. Prescription without proper diagnosis, diagnosis is malpractice. Yeah. Right? That's the bottom line. Makes sense. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, okay. We only have about uh, 12 minutes left. 12 minutes? So, What's, you're at a custom. go? Yeah, dude, this show's flying. Yeah, man. So you're at a customer's place and uh, you're inspecting a tree. I mean, what is something that you you're always looking for? Are you paying cash or check? That's right, cash or check. <laughs> right, cash or check. I need to know I mean, right come up front. On. Right. Yeah. Cash is welcomed. Yeah. Well, I prefer cash. <laughs> I prefer cash. I don't care quarters, singles. 
whatever you got to do. <laughs> Quarters. Yeah. Quarters, come on. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're looking at the tree. Okay. I mean, do you have like a checklist in your head? Like you're looking at the trunk first, the roots? Like, or do you, do you start in one place at the crown? Okay, so yeah. oh, so so I'm diagnosing a, a yeah. tree that a, a person may or may not have a problem with. They're concerned they're not sure. about it. They said, you know, your your tree guy, you know, Arvis, they're not sure who you are. You, okay. you say you do something with trees. Okay, so um, going by what they may have told me, their reason for me being there. For instance, they may have said, "Hey, Charlie, you know, uh, I, I see there's a lot of dead dead wood in this tree. What's going on?" So at that point, you look you look down. At the, at the root flare, right, to see if there's any mechanical issues. You look up at the crown. If there's a lot of that dieback that they're talking about in the very crown of the tree, there could be a serious systemic problem, right? Yeah. Mechanical issues uh, come from, uh, uh, depending on how old or young the tree is, for instance, is somebody weed whacking the bottom of the tree when they're cutting the weeds? Right. So now this tree that's only about four inches in diameter now, uh, but it's 12, 15 feet tall, um, they, they cut the bark. You know, they cut through the bark with the weed whack. It happens all the time. Uh, did they back into it with a mower? Right. right? Is the ground, com you know, overly compressed? That's the, a bad one. Yeah, that's a bad one. People tend to find that. Uh, they put up a new corral fence, and all the trees within the corral are dying now because the horses compacted the soil so much yep. that the trees can't breathe and, and, and take nutrients and take water. Circular driveways with trees. Circular trees driveways. Yeah. Driveway work. Yeah. Sidewalk work. Curb work. Okay. Anytime you cut roots or uh, when they backfill... Uh, soil onto the base of a tree. Uh, now, the, now the soil on top of the root system is, you know, a foot or three feet deeper than it was, you know, for the for the uh, beginning of the tree's life. All of those practices are bad for trees. Okay. Um, yes, there are some pest, uh, you know, problems that that do occur. You know, I may get a phone call and and, and I'll, I'm told that in the spring. All the new shoots from, uh, uh, let's say, a, a willow are falling to the ground. Right. Oh, porcupine. Porcupines sit in the branches and they cut all the new shoots to get at the tender ends and they drop all of the, the young branches. Yeah, why does that seem to happen? We have this one member over in Bloomville or something, uh, South Court, right, rather, and... Yeah, his, his his fruit trees get destroyed by a porcupine, man. Yeah. God. Yeah, porcupine are arboreal. That means they go into trees. They climb, they're very good climbers, porcupine. And and they'll sit in the top of a tree, on the top of a branch, and depending on the time of the year, they want different things. So if they want the carbohydrates and sugars that are behind the bark in the cambium layer, they'll sit there and they'll chew all the bark off the top of a big branch. You know, because trees do something called reclamation, right? They reclaim the nutrients and carbohydrates and sugars in the winter. They bring them back and store them in the heavier parts of the tree, the trunk and the bigger limbs and the, the bigger parts of the roots, right? Well, these critters know that that's there. We know, know this. Yeah, we know there's a stash <laughs> of sugar in the cambium layer of the tree. So they do that. 
I have a great story, right? I've told you this story many times. So I get called to a house, and it is uh, a willow. And the lady of the house told me, she says, I, I don't know what's going on, but the tree is dropping all of the little shoots. So I told her. I said, I can tell just by looking at it, you have porcupine damage. And she looks up into the tree, and she looks at me like I'm crazy. And she says, porcupine? I said, yeah, porcupine. She says, I didn't know they fly. Well, yeah. they don't. They climb. But, but, that's, but that was the deal, the, the, this huge thing. Porcupine are not small. How, how much can a porcupine, John, tell me. How much uh, can John, a porcupine weigh? 30 pounds, maybe? 30 pounds. They're, that's they're the large. size of my dad's dog, 30 oh, pounds. I think they weigh 30 pounds. Oh, I've yeah. seen some big ones, man. Yeah, I've seen some big ones, too. Yeah. So, so, you know, but they will climb. They'll climb a tree, and they'll get up there and do serious damage. Yeah. Yeah. Saw you know, woodchucks get, get up in trees, too. Woodchucks. I've seen them. Uh, seen them. Seen them. Seen them. I didn't know they fly. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> they don't go very high, but no. fruit trees, usually okay. something flowering. Right. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Is that what they want? They're going after yeah, those buds? I think so. That's where you see porcupines in the, in the springtime, too, yeah. when the sugar maple are flowering. You see oh, okay. them up there. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I, in the summer, late summer, I was on a member's property, and the woodchuck would not move. <laughs> in oh, that yeah. Apple tree. Oh, Yeah. Okay. Well, they found something. They'll fight over uh, a food source, for sure. So yeah. I didn't know that uh, porcupines liked acorns. I did not know that either. I had no idea until I watched one while I was bow hunting. It climbed the tree next to me. It climbed all the way up, started feeding, and then went back down and walked yeah. away. On acorns. Yeah. Wow. Hey, I got a question for you. What? Right. How viable are the acorns that I find on the ground in, like, the... Uh, late winter, early spring, that have a little sprout coming out of them. And they're just sitting there on the ground in, like, the moist uh, leaf litter. They're very viable. Yeah. Yeah, they'll take right off and... and they stratified. So they're yeah. sprouting now. So they did their winter thing, that yeah. stratification, right? Yeah. They, 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 they went through a winter. Yeah. That sets the wheels in motion. And, and uh, the problem is that seedlings have so much going against them because the lack of light... Browse, right. mice, right? You know, but if yeah. you're gonna try to plant it somewhere, yeah. if you put it in like a little, don't. Here's pot, what I, well, here's off. what I messed up. I've tried it a bunch of times, and I always fail because you leave it. I don't know, two three months, and you think it's you know time to put it in the ground. Yeah. Well, you take it out, and that tap root's just circling the ground. Oh, you try to straighten it out, and you break it off. Then it never oh, oh, never I does see. it. Take that thing, put it in the ground, and then put a tree tube over it. Let That's it grow. the best way Let to do it. Let it grow right there. I yeah. haven't tried it. Yeah, but that's how I'm going to start doing this. When what I want about to. those peat those peat cups, like they're made out of peat moss? Did they mm -hmm. deteriorate enough to where uh, something won't get do. root bound? It'll it'll grow through that. I'm not sure. I think it'll be fine. I yeah. think they might push through them. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. don't know though. What if you just did a bigger pot? A bigger pot, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess so, but yeah, then that's not cost effective if you're trying to get a bunch of them going. Yeah, I, I've seen, I saw it. Uh, Another CFA member showed me. He built this whole bed. It's like six feet long. That's got like a shake table. Uh, he made out of screening, right? Yeah. So when he's ready for it, he could drop the bottom out of it and then shake all the soil out of it. So these, he's got all these these tap roots doing walnut, doing right. uh, white oak, red oak. It's air pruning. Air pruning. So it meets that air on the bottom if it sounds like that's what he's doing. And that's how this guy, uh, Malcolm Olsen, used to grow um, 
walnuts. Hmm. Right? It would. That's what. Remember RPM trees, root production method. That's air pruning again. What happens is as that it meets that air at the bottom. Yeah. If you have a false bottom, it makes a fibrous root. Oh, it sends out the feeder roots yeah, right away. because it dies ah. back, and, but it sprouts, and it creates an awesome root system. Okay, ah. so that's what he was doing, and, yeah, and yeah. when he was ready, it was timed well. He was telling me about it. He, he timed it well, and then he could plant. And then oh, he, was, he yeah. would have like, he had two tables going. Right. He was stratifying one over the winter. Right. And yeah, that's right. one of the worst things about buying trees that no one talks about, especially in New York State. We don't have standards like in Florida where they have, um, they've kind of done this because of Ed Gilman down there, but. You know, you buy a tree and you say, I want a cycle pair. So you go there and you look at it. But if the roots that they bought it from follow the container, like a long container, and, you know, they're growing too deep, when you go put that tree, it's, it's going to follow that container. And you put, especially if you have clay soil, and you put that in your, your, your landscape, yeah, it's too deep. Yeah. You want root system that goes fluffy and out. Yeah. And horizontal. And let you the, know what? That it doesn't matter if Seckle Pear does well in the Catskills. It's going to go grow like crap because it's, yeah. it's a terrible root system. Yeah. Okay. Well. So something to think about. Yeah. But anyway, like I have this Magnus Pear. It grows awesome. And I got thinking when I went back to that same nursery, I was like, wait a second. The Magnus, wherever they're getting this from, is doing is awesome root system. Right. It just has that perfect root system. Huh. But anyway, that's all the time we have, guys. No, 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 no. It's over. Come on. It's we can over. talk some more. Hey, we didn't talk about chainsaws. We didn't talk about folks, you know. We think uh, about that pruning. little echo I got, man. Uh, word, I love that thing. One word question. <laughs> yes. What's your favorite tree? My favorite tree? Hmm. I think apple. Okay. I'm an apple guy. That's I it. thought you said you hated apple. No, I love apple. I don't like pruning <laughs> apple. I hate pruning apple. They don't want to be pruned. They really don't, but they need to be. Yeah. Otherwise, they're self-destructive. Well, it also becomes a customer issue. It's, it, you have to you have to get the customer to buy in, right? Yeah, to yeah. invest in an apple they, tree. They have to be willing to go the mile. That means every year the pruning has to happen. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Otherwise, it's a nightmare when you, when you revisit it, right? Oh my God! Yeah, they'll sucker out and they'll, and they'll self destruct. They will self destruct. Yes. All right. Well, that's all the time we have on From the Forest. And if you missed the show, it's uh, Arbor Culture with. Arborist Charlie Boom. Thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks, man. All right. Until next time. All right. Then the old man came home from the forest. His tears fell on the sidewalk as he stumbled in the street. A dozen faces stopped to stare, but no one stopped to speak. For his castle was a hallway and the bottle was his friend And the old man stumbled in from the forest Up a dark and dingy staircase the old man made his way His ragged coat around him as upon his cot he lay Getting lost like a fool In the forest And then